So in the NFL, a lot of times, as the years progress in the NFL and you're watching a game, you'll see a quarterback brought up in a graphic. And a lot of times he is compared to other quarterbacks who came out in the same class as him, right? Perfect example of this is a couple of years ago when Mitch Trubisky was taken second overall in the NFL draft. And in that very same draft class that Mitch Trubisky was drafted, Patrick Mahomes was drafted. You know what kind of career he's had. Deshaun Watson was drafted. We know what kind of career he has had so far. Mitch Trubisky was thrown into a quarterback class where immediately when he was selected number two overall, folks were wondering if the Bears had made a massive mistake. I think what you want about Mitch Trubisky, that's not really the conversation I'm here for um, today. I think most of us would be in agreement that if you could go back and redo that draft class, Mitch Trubisky would not be taken near the top of the draft. The Bears have essentially showed you as much with their uh, lack of faith in him, even all the way leading up to game time yesterday. The report's coming out that... uh, Without a deep playoff run this year, the Bears were expected to move on from Mitch Trubisky this offseason. Now, the Bears lost yesterday. Bears lost to the New Orleans Saints yesterday, if you missed it, uh, the afternoon wild card game. The Bears lost yesterday. Mitch Trubisky looks like his time in Chicago may be done. Mitch Trubisky's time in Chicago may have come to an end. However, Not because Mitch Trubisky didn't have anything to say about it. Because on his way out the door, and no moves have been made, not that I've seen at least. These were just the rumors leading into the game yesterday. Uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport who said that the Bears have pretty much come to the end of the line with their patience with Mitch Trubisky, unless he shocks everybody this postseason. He's run out of time, but in his potentially final game for the Chicago Bears, Mitch Trubisky achieved an honor, an award, A distinction that even the two peers, the two quarterback peers who came out in his very same class with him, two quarterbacks who are considered perhaps the best and perhaps a top five quarterback in Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, two guys who are considered among the elite of the elite in the NFL, Mitch Trubisky, former UNC Tar Heel, the pride of Carolina. Mitch Trubisky was able to accomplish and achieve something yesterday that neither Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson have ever been able to achieve in their career. And this may be, this may be the final saving grace for Mitch Trubisky's future as an NFL quarterback. A lot of you may have enjoyed the traditional football broadcast yesterday afternoon on CBS, which was called by Jim Nance and Tony Romo. But the elite few of you may have been hip to the rumor that Nickelodeon, yes, the children's channel Nickelodeon, famous for Rugrats and Hey Arnold and Slime, Nickelodeon was also carrying a broadcast of the NFL wildcard game yesterday afternoon alongside the CBS broadcast. It was called by Noah Eagle, son of legendary commentator Ian Eagle, who I found out over the weekend. Ian Eagle's father is named Jack Eagle. And if Jack Eagle isn't one of the coolest damn names you've ever heard in your life. (laughs) Ian Eagle, 
or excuse me, Noah Eagle, son of Ian Eagle, who's only 24 years old, by the way. Like, I don't know if I could be much more jealous of a 24-year-old. I'm not, I'm not going to say he didn't do a good job. Kid's good at what he does. Maybe some nepotism at its finest. I'm very jealous of a 24-year-old being able to call a football game, a National League football game, a National Football League game on a Sunday afternoon in the playoffs, even if it's on Nickelodeon. Kid's 24 years old. He's also the voice of the Clippers, I found out. But anyways, it was Noah Eagle. It was former Detroit Lions wide receiver. I think he's on. he does something with NFL Network now. Nate Burleson. And then some like young 14- or 15-year-old Nickelodeon star named Gabby something, who I've never heard of. They were doing a simulcast of the football game on Nickelodeon yesterday. Lots of fun, complete with all sorts of Nickelodeon graphic animations. There's an appearance by SpongeBob or Patrick Starr, SpongeBob SquarePants, or as they called them, SpongeBob Sports Pants, did the halftime show. Every time somebody made their way into the end zone, which was not very often for the Chicago Bears, um, they CGI'd slime all in the end zone. A fun production targeted at children that Nickelodeon did yesterday to perhaps open football up to a younger audience that I think pretty much backfired on them because what I gathered from the internet, what I gathered from Facebook and Twitter as I was watching most of this game on Nickelodeon the way I did, because I've seen enough football broadcasts, I wanted to step out and have fun in the playground a little bit and be immersed in an experience, a football viewing experience that was different than anything else I'm used to. During all of that, on Nickelodeon.com, they had a live fan vote for the most valuable player of the game. The MVP, which, since this was on Nickelodeon, they did not call the MVP, but in fact, the NVBP. The Nickelodeon's valuable player. If you watch the game, you know the New Orleans Saints were pretty much in control of that game from Jump Street. A very boring game, that second game yesterday afternoon, the Saints-Bears game. But there was really never any part that made you feel like the Chicago Bears belonged on the same playing field. There's never any part that made you feel like they were even close to being competent enough. Never even close to being competent enough to compete with the New Orleans Saints yesterday. That being said, early in the third quarter, they pop a graphic up on the screen. Go now to Nickelodeon.com. Live voting for the MVP. The MVP, this prestigious award. First ever MVP award. And they show the live current results of what's coming in on the voting. Now, mind you, it was like 21 to 3 at this point. Saints are on top. Leading the way in the fan voting. Mitchell Trubisky. That's right. Good old Mitch Trubisky leading the way in the fan voting for the MVP. Followed by Chicago Bears defensive tackle Akeem Hicks. Followed by... Chicago Bears wide receiver, Allen Robinson. Now, I'm not going to take a shot at the children here, but this is what happens when you leave most valuable player voting, or in this case, Nickelodeon valuable player voting, up to the children. You get Mitch Trubisky down 18 points in a football game in the third quarter, almost as a shoe-in to win the MVP award at this point. <laughs> Fast forward to the end of the game, and congratulations to Mitch Trubisky, who was unable to be reached for comment after the game to receive this award. In fact, uh, was so embarrassed that they actually invited Cameron Jordan, defensive end for the New Orleans Saints, to come over and participate in the interview after the game. But Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl last year, won an MVP two years before. 
I believe Deshaun Watson won rookie of the year, his rookie season. Both these guys got some hardware. Mahomes and Watson have some hardware. Deshaun Watson, with all the rumors circulating, probably one of the most sought-after potential trade targets this offseason. These are big-time names with big-time honors and awards to their credit. And Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, who were drafted behind Mitchell Trubisky in the same year in the NFL draft. Mitchell Trubisky, not to be outdone, says, I will see your Super Bowl trophy. He says, I will see your most valuable player trophy. I will see your Rookie of the Year award, Deshaun Watson. And congratulations to him. Because Mitchell Trubisky, ladies and gentlemen, is your first ever 2021 MVP of a random wild card game on a Sunday afternoon in January, courtesy of Nickelodeon Television Channel. Congratulations to Mitch Trubisky, an honor that is well, very much deserved. It was storybook. If you think about the career of Mitch Trubisky so far, if I was to say, here are the first three, four years of his career, what is the highest achievement that Mitch Trubisky has garnered? I could not write a better joke for you than to say, Mitch Trubisky, four years in, what has he won? Well, the best he's ever done, the most he has ever done, the most he has ever won is, in fact, a Nickelodeon MVP trophy. Congratulations, Mitch Trubisky. Well deserved. Could not have laughed any harder as this was happening. The internet had a field day. I urge you to seek out the memes. There is one of my favorite memes where in pregame, the television broadcast themselves actually photoshopped. If you've watched uh, SpongeBob before, you know the squirrel character Sandy Cheeks, who is a squirrel who lives underwater. Yes, you heard that correctly. She basically wears like an astronaut suit while she's underwater because, duh, she's a squirrel and she can't breathe, right? (laughs) It'd be very easy for Nickelodeon to just say, hey, the squirrel breathes underwater. But they did their research and they found out that squirrels, in fact, cannot breathe underwater. So she wears this astronaut suit with like a fishbowl helmet. (laughs) During warm-ups yesterday, you know how they pan around the field and they show each and every single player, hey, let's look out for this guy today. Of course, when they zoomed in on Mitch Trubisky, they photoshopped and they edited onto the live camera shot the fishbowl helmet of Sandy Cheeks yesterday. So he had that going into the game, and he left out of there with the hardware. Looked like a Teen Choice Awards, right? The, or the Kids' Choice Awards, the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. That has the big Nickelodeon orange blimp on it. Stacked on a three-foot-tall trophy. It looks like something you or I could have taken down and gotten for $25 at Newburn Sporting Goods back in the day. <laughs> The cherry on top for the first act of Mitchell Trubisky's career has come to an end, and I don't think it could have been signified better than him winning the NVP, the Nickelodeon's Most Valuable Player Award, in a blowout loss on Wild Card Weekend. Congratulations to Mitchell Trubisky um, on that on that honor. I am sure that trophy was taken and immediately dumped into the trash can following yesterday's game. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday to you. Did you have a good weekend? Did you watch lots of football? Did you stick with your New Year's resolutions? It's January the 11th. Have you already snapped your New Year's resolutions? Did you eat good or did you eat like a fatty? While you were watching the football games this weekend, I know it was tough for us all to do. I'm proud to report 
that I may have strained the limits of my New Year's resolutions this weekend, but I did, in fact, make it out of the weekend in one piece. Hitting the week strong. We're going to have a fun week this week. It's going to get started today. I got my buddy Steve Gilgo going to be back in the studio with me today. We're going to talk a little bit of football today. We're also going to start to get a little deeper into NBA as we're running out of less or out of football to talk about. Right, the uh, the the field here is beginning to narrow. Eight teams remaining in the NFL playoffs. We're going to start to transition a little bit heavier into the NBA over the coming weeks. So Steve Gilgo going to be in here today. He is the Sam Avila Show NBA insider. The NBA tastemaker, if you will, maybe Steve's new title. He's going to be here in the next segment. He's going to stick around, hang out a little bit today. We're going to talk some Washington Wizards. Of course, we are your home for Washington Wizards basketball right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk a little bit more NBA. Going to be joined by... Um, either Spencer Percy or Joshua Matthews of SwarmAndSting.com, or both of them. All right, still working out the details there. So uh, some fun basketball throughout the week. Of course, we're going to talk plenty of college basketball, including here in just a second. Von Casey going to join me a little bit later in the week. I'm sure I can coax the lovely Carolina Oliveras to join me in studio at some point this week. We have not gotten to talk to her in the new year yet, so we will effort to do that. But a lot of college basketball, a lot of NBA, a lot of NFL coming down the pipeline this week. College football championship tonight, 8 o'clock. Clemson, or excuse me, Ohio State versus Alabama. Not going to really get into any previewing of that game today other than this. And I may circle back to this. The over-under for this game is set at 74.5 right now. 74.5 right now. What does that tell you? That means it's going to be a lot of points scored. Okay, It's going to be very exciting. We just saw Justin Fields score six touchdowns a week ago. We know Mac Jones and Alabama and Devontae Smith and what that team can do in Alabama. Going to be an exciting game tonight. It says it's going to get started at 8 o'clock. If it doesn't get kicked off till 8.35, I would not be surprised. The college football championship game always runs till like midnight. So uh, brace yourself. Mix in an afternoon nap, you know, a little pregame nap if you need it because if you are interested in seeing the conclusion of this game, and I do expect it to be close, I think Alabama's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Um, I think Ohio State can keep it close and at least keep you interested in sticking around through the fourth quarter. So that's coming out tonight. That should be a lot of fun. This is the Sam Avalos Show, by the way. I am Sam Avalos. Happy to be with you guys here this afternoon. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter, at Sam Avalos on Twitter. You can also, if you ever miss any of the show, find the Sam Avalos Show podcast wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Pandora, Apple, iTunes. Just search the Sam Avalos Show. It'll pop right up. Please rate, review, subscribe, uh, download the episodes. I do really appreciate the support. Uh, podcast is up each and every single day. So if you ever want to get a little bit more Sam Avalos Show in your life, that is the place to go do it. Today's show being brought to you by Toyota of Newburn. Going on right now, you can head down to Snapdragon in downtown Newburn. That's right. Snapdragon in downtown Newburn. Um, Mitch Trubisky probably enjoys shopping there since he is the Nickelodeon valuable player over the weekend. Um, you can head to Snapchat, or excuse me, not Snapchat, Snapdragon, excuse me, in downtown Newburn right now. They've got colorable Toyota sheets right now. Colorable Toyota sheets. That's right. Go in there. Take your kids, right, toy store, check out Snapdragon, bring them some business, pick up a colorable Toyota of Newburn coloring sheet today. 
bring it home to your kids, fill it out yourself if you want. Just have some fun, color in the Toyota Bear. You can take a picture of it, you can send it to Toyota of Newburn. All the information on how to submit the coloring sheet is on the sheet. So head to Snapdragon, get yourself a colorable Toyota sheet. Submit it into Toyota of Newburn. You can read the directions right there on the sheet. When you do that, you will be entered in to win a $50 gift card. All right, free money. All you got to do is just go color in a sheet. Lots of fun. Toyota of Newburn giving back to the community. They've partnered up with Snapdragon to do this. We urge you and encourage you, and I am just asking you from the bottom of my heart to support the things that Toyota of Newburn is doing. And hey, while you're at it, of course, you can always go check out their brand new lineup of 2021 vehicles going on right now at Toyota of Newburn. You can get 0% APR financing and zero payments until spring on a new Toyota vehicle today. Support the people who support us as always. That's Toyota of Newburn, proud sponsors of us here on the Sam Avalis Show. I wanted to get this out of the way real quick at the top of the show uh, before I bring Steve here in the next segment. UNC's basketball game was postponed over the weekend versus Clemson because of the Rona stuff. Uh, Carolina going to be in action coming up tomorrow versus Syracuse. So we'll probably talk a little bit more Carolina basketball tomorrow as well. Uh, Duke got a win over the weekend over Wake Forest. Uh, Duke up to 21st in the country now. Big game for them tomorrow, taking on Virginia Tech. That's two top 25 teams, number 21 Duke versus number 19 Vitek tomorrow night. That'll be at 7 o'clock. UNC game will be at 9 o'clock. So for you ACC basketball fans, you've got the doubleheader. I wanted to start off the show today by being very disappointed in the NC State Wolfpack. It seems like it is a regular tradition for me in my lifetime to begin most of my weeks and most of my Mondays being disappointed in the NC State Wolfpack. If you did not know that NC State played over the weekend, it's because they really had a hard time scoring any baskets over the weekend. NC State took on Miami on Saturday afternoon at 12 o'clock. Miami, who had just suffered a close defeat to the UNC Tar Heels earlier that week, right? The final buzzer beater by Andrew Playtech, which I believe may have saved, may have indeed saved Carolina's season this year. NC State was not so fortunate against the Miami Hurricanes. After losing in overtime to Clemson last week, you thought NC State would come out with some fire in their belly. Back on their home court, taking on a Miami team that was just 5-4 and four and 0-4 oh in, in conference play. When NC State took the court, and that's about all that they decided to do, the Wolfpack had a very paltry offensive showing, just 59 total points for the Wolfpack. The leading scorer, DJ Funderburg, with just 12 points. Excuse me, Thomas Allen. Corn lover himself, Thomas Allen, the transfer from Nebraska, 14 points off the bench. As a team, NC State shot just 37%, 33% from the field. They had 16 total team turnovers. They were suffocated by a Miami team that was without their best player in Chris Likes. Uh, NC State completely struggled to get the offense going. I don't really know what there is to say about NC State because this is just a familiar feeling for a lot of NC State fans. Uh, I will say that this is becoming a bit of a scary trend in the Kevin Keats era. As much as Wolfpack fans love Kevin Keats, and as uh, much as it's become a tongue-in-cheek rallying cry, I know the NC State detractors really enjoy to twist the screws on this a little bit when things do not go according to plan for NC State, but the mantra that has surrounded head coach of the Wolfpack, Kevin Keats, ever since arriving to Raleigh, 
as he stated this in his opening press conference, doing a fan favorite of referring to himself in the third person. Kevin Keats takes the podium four years ago, and he says, Kevin Keats is a winner. Kevin Keats is a winner. You can argue amongst yourselves how much winning Kevin Keats has actually done in his career. I believe it is just one NCAA tournament appearance since his arrival at NC State. Whether or not he would have gotten in last year is still up for discussion. The larger point here is that this weekend, NC State lost a game that they shouldn't have lost. And the easiest way that I can talk about college basketball and the best way that I can grade out your team and measure my level of confidence in any given basketball team it's really across all college sports in general. I think it's the easiest baseline to express your confidence in a college team, football or basketball, is to simply say, do you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and are you competitive in the games that you're supposed to lose? The most damning thing for any basketball program, any college basketball program, is to be notorious for losing games that you're not supposed to lose. And ever since Kevin Keats has arrived in Raleigh, as much as you want to enjoy the Carolina win earlier this year, NC State basketball dropping a game, as good as this team is, as experienced as this team is, as big of a wild card factor as having such talented freshmen on this NC State can be, on this NC State team can be. Kevin Keats, time and time and time again, since arriving in Raleigh, has lost games that he should not lose. And it is why, come February, come March, each and every single year, when Joe Lenardi starts showing his face all over the ESPN family of networks, and bracketology becomes a thing, and we're projecting out who's in, who's out, first four in, first four out, who's on the bubble, who's on the outside looking in. Death, taxes, and NC State being on the bubble. These are things that we know to be true. And the reason is, is because year after year, NC State and Kevin Keats lose a handful of games that they had no business losing. Miami is not a good basketball team. NC State should be a good basketball team. I said after the Clemson game last week, those may be the two best teams right now in the ACC, NC State and Clemson. It took four or five days for me to be running away from that take Faster than anything. As of right now, NC State is still still the exact same NC State team that we has we have always known and loved as the lovable misfit losers who just can't ever seem to piece it all together. Kevin Keats said something after the game the other day that just made me throw my hands up in the air in disgust. He said, "In this basketball game, we found a way to lose. We found a way to lose." Referring to his Wolfpack basketball team. Let me just go ahead and tell you right now, that is not the thing that you want to hear from your coach. Now, I have not lost any faith in Kevin Keats. I still do believe that he is a great coach for this school. I think he's done a very good job growing the program. I think everything is still trending in the right direction as a whole. But there is still the continual sticking point that NC State consistently loses games every year that they should not lose. They will stub their toe. They will bump their head against a bad Pittsburgh team or against a bad Boston College team or against a bad Miami team. 
Duke doesn't lose those games. Carolina doesn't lose those games. Even a bad Carolina team or a down Carolina team, let me not throw the B word around, like we have this year, still found a way to win against Miami. That's what I said on Friday. I said, we're going to look back on this Clemson game, or this, excuse me, Carolina versus Miami game last week. And while it's funny to laugh that Andrew Playtech had to be the hero, that is a good basketball team that found a way to win. NC State doesn't do that. In fact, they do the opposite, according to Kevin Keats. They found a way to lose that game. Take a listen. Here's Kevin Keats earlier this morning speaking to the media regarding NC State's loss to Miami over the weekend. A lot better. Um, that's expected when you're playing you know, basically three guys that are freshmen at the guard position when you talk about you know, Sebron and Cam Hayes and also Shaquille Moore. But I need our veteran guys to do a better job of taking care of the basketball. Um, in that case, we haven't done that. You know, when you look at the two games we played, man, what a great game we played against Clemson. Um, you know, obviously, who's going to be, I would guess, in t- inside the top 15 when the polls come out today, that obviously we led and could have won the game. And against Miami, you know, we played against a good Miami team that, um, and I say good team because obviously they had the opportunity to beat Clemson. They had the opportunity to beat Virginia Tech, and they showed up and played well. That game, we didn't have it offensively. We just didn't score the basketball offensively, and I thought that affected us. But it's such a thin line, Jonas, in this league this year um, with turnovers and mistakes or missed free throws that it can go one other way, and we got to get better at those situations. The senior leadership has been an issue for NC State this year. Um Devin Daniels, three more turnovers this weekend. Jericho Hellams, a junior, who's supposed to be sort of one of the steadying presence on offense for this team. Three turnovers over the weekend. Just 11 total t- assists for NC State. Five of those coming off the hands of freshmen Shaquille Moore and Cameron Hayes. Braxton Beverly has been nothing but a liability for this NC State basketball team so far. Doesn't take care of the offense. Doesn't take care of the football. Ball completely stops when it's in his hand. NC State's in a bit of trouble. They have an opportunity uh, coming up later this week. I believe it's Wednesday. Let me double check. Yes, Wednesday of this week, NC State getting set to take on number 25-ranked Florida State. NC State drops that game. That's three straight for them. You're looking at a big climb, a big climb to get themselves back to a point of relevancy and a point of being talked about among the elite in the Atlantic Coast Conference this year, which is simply where they were six days ago. Six days later, NC State has dropped out of that conversation. So let's push this conversation until tomorrow. We've got NC State basketball on Wednesday. We've got Carolina and Duke in a doubleheader coming up tomorrow. So Tuesday's show right here on the Sam Avalos Show, we're going to get to a lot more college basketball discussion. That being said, let's get the first break out of the way. When we come back, the NBA tastemaker of Eastern North Carolina, Steve Gilgo, the man himself, joins me in studio. You are listening to the Sam Avalos Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. This is the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. As the NFL field continues to narrow down a little bit, we're going to begin to refocus back on the National Basketball Association. Very happy to be joined now here in studio. of the. Uh, I used to introduce you, Steve, as just simply my friend Steve. And I've been workshopping uh, in my spare time an official title for you. Some credentials or something. Some credentials, whether it's going to be like ESPN, NBA Insider, whatever it may be. I have decided that you are going to be Steve Gilgo, 
Eastern North Carolina's NBA tastemaker. Oh, I love it. You like that? I like that a lot. I was going to come in with your friend Steve of 2020 John Wall stock buying fame, but uh, I like yours much, much better. So we're happy to have you to be joined now the first time in 2021 now, the NBA tastemaker of Eastern North Carolina, Steve Gilgo, who, yes, mentioned John Wall. And we're going to talk about the Washington Wizards here. Mentioned John Wall and his Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards are going to be in action right here on the radio. Pre-game coverage begins at 6.30 tonight. They're going to be at home taking on the Phoenix Suns. So let's let's start the conversation today with the Wizards, Steve. And two bullet points, two bullet points that I think newsworthy here at the top. Number one, Thomas Bryant, center, who a lot of Wizards fans were crazy about. Torn ACL, out for the season. Number two. The Ringer reports this morning the head coach of the Washington Wizards, a guy that you have stood by, Scott Brooks, now officially on the hot seat. Of those two stories, which hurts you worse? Losing Thomas Bryant or now it seems like everybody's lost all faith in head coach Scott Brooks? You remember the time I came on here and cracked a natty bow after the Orioles <laughs> beat the Red Sox in the series? How could I forget? <laughs> I need a fifth and a half of Evan Williams to talk Wizards today. <laughs> This has been awful. They are um, two and eight. Uh, they have lost three straight games, looking to make it four tonight. Somehow, the last game they won was against the Brooklyn Nets, which doesn't make any sense. It was a good little stretch. Um, I will come out with a silver lining, maybe here at the end, to answer your question. Uh, definitely Thomas Bryant. the The guy is uh, he's an intensity setter on the team. Uh, I don't care how raw his talent is, and um, the mistakes that he makes, he plays hard, and you don't get that from a lot of guys in an 82-game NBA season, or this year 72. But even in the bubble, and like what really won me over was they're 0-7 in the bubble. They're not playing for anything except that they're playing Boston. And right. he showed up in that last game and willed them to that win. So, look, the dude is uh, – it's a big loss because behind him is Mo Wagner – the Michigan guy, yep. who's just a little too small and even more raw than uh, than Thomas Bryant, and then Robin Lopez. So that contract doesn't look as bad that was given to Robin Lopez, but it's still Robin Lopez. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. So when it comes to big men, like in watch, it's already been a bad season, but th- that really set them back. The Thomas Bryant thing. They, Are you thinking they're going to do anything free agency or try to make any kind of trade they've, or? They've got to try up? something. Yeah. I, I don't know how you run Robin Lopez out there for 25, 30 minutes a night. I. I don't see how that's sustainable. <laughs> right. Um, people are dropping like flies, and you know, like Westbrook's a little bit injured. Um, it's not really talked about, but they don't let him play back to backs. And uh, he did oh, okay. he did something to his hand the other night, so that's not great. Beal has the contract contact tracing with Jason Tatum from the other night. He's out for the next game or two, so it's getting pretty thin pretty quick. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Brooks is gone soon, but. I, also don't know who else is going to weather this storm. This is just going to be an ugly one. I mean, I'm, I'm already okay kind of packing this one in and saying shoot for the lottery. Right. I mean, it, it is that bad right now. And, you know, it's I'm calm about it because we talked about it in last summer that this was a make-or-break time. The And it wasn't just this season. It was those first 10 to 15 games where you've had all the rest in the world. You didn't have to go to the playoffs in the bubble last year. You got your young guys a little bit of experience there, but Beal didn't go to Orlando. There was no excuses anymore, and it's all falling apart so quick. And it's like, yep, blow it up. That's it. Don't don't overthink this thing. 
so when we, when you and I were talking over the weekend, you said, "Hey, this is a perfect time to come in because first ten games out of the way. There's no overreactions here." Are you blown away at how quickly you're abandoning ship on this wizard season? Because we'll get into the John Wall stuff, and you are always that. That's keep Wall, but that's why um, I'm not surprised. I, I think this has been a really interesting uh, experiment, or whatever, in how much someone has uh, lift or factors into your social media presence and the overall landscape of your team and who's actually a good player. When Westbrook came on, just sitting there looking on the message boards and on even like ESPN and things like that, the Wizards became one of the seven or eight teams that got talked about, right. that had additional posts about their season, that had expectations. And no matter how good Wall and Beal had been, it had never been like that. Right. But then Westbrook comes and it just pops. So you're going to be a little excited for it. I had told you before the trade happened, everything that I like about John Wall is what Westbrook isn't. So right. it was never going to work to me. Everybody else just got excited about it. And it's like, sure, we'll, we'll be optimistic. And it just <laughs> goes poorly quick. It, it's exactly what I thought I was going to see. The dude gets triple doubles. He gets quadruple doubles. Because there's a turnover factor as well. Um, yeah. 5.3 turnovers is what he's averaging. I mean, that's a high average so far this year. Uh, so, so yeah, none of it's none of it's gone according to plan for the Washington Wizards so far. What Let's, what I find okay. kind of interesting is that once you anoint someone like your leader, though, like I, I love Brad Beal, and I think he could have been a great one A with John Wall's one B, but him alone as your one. I have a sneaking suspicion Brad Beal is not clutch. Right, I'll, we can lock that one in. You know, play that one back. Brad Beal is not clutch. Um, he's our one, but when it comes down to the end of the game, it just keeps going wrong for him. It, it's turnovers. It's missed shots. It's. Uh, I guarantee you, he'll make the wrong decision down the stretch. And you know, the other night, last week, he had back-to-back games where combined he had a hundred points. Okay. Scored sixty one night. He scored forty the next. That's real impressive from a social media standpoint, from a fantasy box score standpoint. Right. You could look at this from afar and go, dude is balling out. Guess how many combined points he had in the fourth quarter of those two games? Oh, no. Two. Seven. Seven. <laughs> Seven of his 100 points. Right. So let, me, so let me ask you this, because you have – I hate this. So for, for those of you who aren't familiar – again, we are being joined here in studio by Eastern North Carolina's NBA tastemaker, Steve Gilgo. You have been a diehard Wizards fan – Better part of last decade. Yeah, most of what I've known you in my adult life. Yep. The Brad Beal, the John Wall thing, you were obsessive over all the way up until John Wall was traded away this offseason. Like, even throughout the the Achilles and the other injuries and the surgeries, you have stood by his side. Waited patiently the two years. Waited patiently. You were all aboard, built around Bradley Beal when that was reported over the summer that that's what Tommy Shepard wanted to do with this team. I think, I can't remember the player that you said this about. It might have been Kyrie Irving when we talked about how you know Kyrie Irving sort of has this um, stigma around him that he's a cancer, a locker room cancer. And you sort of said, I think you were the one that said, he's not the cancer, he's the cat scan, right? It's like you send Kyrie Irving in there and he reveals the underlying issues. Yep. Are you feeling that way about Russell Westbrook regarding Bradley Beal? Because all through last season, you were all aboard the Bradley Beal train. 
at this point, and I've always thrown out there to you, would you be interested in moving Bradley Beal? And you have always been very adamant. No, we're not moving Bradley Beal. He's the guy we're going to build around him. At this point, two and eight game against the Suns tonight. You've seen you're talking about Bradley Beal not being clutch. Have you arrived at a point? Or are you arriving at a point where if you're going to blow this whole thing up, Bradley Beal's the first piece to move? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, if you can move Westbrook, that'd be great. I don't know how you do that with that contract. I sent you some crazy thing that I, I bet came from a Wizards insider in disguise that was like, oh, Westbrook to the Celtics for Kimba and some people. Yeah. I don't see that happening. That'd be great. Because um, yeah. nobody, nobody wants Russell Westbrook. You talked about it when we were talking over the weekend where he said it was Brian Windhorst who reported that back when – Russell Westbrook's name was getting tossed around in some trades. Zero suitors. Zero interest. Yeah. And we thought about it and said, well, if he was to hit free agency today, completely unrestricted free agent, how long would the line be to sign Russell West- Russell Westbrook to your team? And there wouldn't be much of one, at least not yeah. uh, without it coming at a massively discounted price. Yep. Yeah. And I don't think that Westbrook is necessarily to blame. He's not doing anything out of – his normal aura. He and and he's not a cancer in my opinion. He's he's helped with that intensity factor that we talked about for Thomas Bryant. It's just he's a slow old washed up Ben Simmons is really what I feel like I have on my Come team on, now. The dude the dude can't shoot. Right. Um he tries to get teammates involved but maybe tries a little too hard. It's like there's there's that mistake factor that's always in there and if you can't shoot, I mean that's that's the point of the game. Yeah. Put the ball in the hoop. Right. So it's uh, it's tough stuff. I do think that Beal obviously gives you back the most things, and I think that there are a lot of teams right now that could benefit greatly from him being their 1B. Right. Um, and I, we'll talk about that at some point when we do the NBA at large segment, that I, I think there's three or four teams that immediately become championship contenders that are on the cusp if they were to trade for Beal. Are you shocked at how bad the Wizards have been? Like, are you are you completely away. surprised? Because you said I think it was fourth or fifth seed. You thought this team was capable of achieving for, this year for sure. With Wall, I felt comfortable with mm-hmm. that. With Westbrook, everyone else around said this is a locked playoff team. You know, so I just went along with that one. Right. I I am blown away by when it gets to winning time that they can't make it happen. They've not been playing awful. They haven't gotten blown out by anybody. Um, it's been a lot of good stuff down the stretch. That opening night loss to the Sixers kind of set the tone. Mm-hmm. They were up by double digits in the fourth quarter, and that winning time that I'm talking about just didn't happen. And they shut down Beal, and it's been that way ever since. The only, <laughs> the only, so bad the <laughs> only big-time win that they have is that Nets win. And, again, you can look in a box score and go, wow, they beat the Nets. And Westbrook with a triple-double, first time he's ever beaten Durant. Beal with a huge game. But Kyrie and Durant both missed wide-open shots in the last 10 seconds. So that's just a luck win. That's not a legitimate win, in my opinion. I'm sitting there happy, of course, but like that one could just as easily have been a loss as well. So I know talking to you, I know uh, talking to Chase Carroll, who regularly comes on the show and talks Washington Wizards. I know Chase, especially over the last couple of years, was so sick of Ernie Grunfeld, and the former general manager of this team. Tommy Shepard comes in. I think this is, I guess, his second season, start of his second season as the general manager of this team. 
Do you have faith in him? Have you has this Russell Westbrook thing done enough to where you already feel like you've lost faith in general manager Tommy Shepard? Because now this is a real pivotal piece for a pivotal time for the Washington Wizards. Like you have a window now, especially with the more valuable assets you have on this team, like Beal, like maybe Westbrook to a lesser extent. You can make the right moves over the next six months and get this thing right back on track real quick. Do you still feel like Tommy Agreed. Shepard's the guy that you want calling the shots there, or are you already sort of starting to look at him a little sideways? Um, I'll, I'll let him get through this Russ and Beal thing. I think we've spilled enough ink over the John Wall stuff, and we'll still never know what all the stories behind that deal were. I think that Shepard got backed into a corner. Now, whether he made himself back into that corner by even um, suggesting that a Wall-Westbrook trade could be possible, right. maybe that's a problem. But who knows what Wall had done leading up to that to kind of force that hand. So I'm not quite ready to write Tommy Shepard off. I think he's made a lot of good moves, and for the first time in a long time, they've made great moves in the draft. They've had good guys fall to them twice now from like those that 7 to 9 range of a pick. And, I mean, I love Hachimura, and I love Denny a lot too. Um, so there's a couple things that are going right that Grunfeld used to not get right. Right. Um, the Westbrook thing's a setback, but – Let's see. Let's see what can get pulled from Beal, or if Westbrook can get moved, then all of a sudden he's a genius again. Yeah. To, to me, I mean, if <laughs> yeah. you can flip Westbrook in a twenty-game window, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll you, see. You think he's going to try I'm, to do that? I mean, do you? I, I know you're you're seeing articles and you're seeing things out there. I mean, you sent me the Boston trade, and I'll see if I can pull it up. It real was quick. far too much. It, it looked fake to me because you're not fetching three players for Westbrook. And I'm surprised that you could even do Kimba for Westbrook straight up. Yeah, I mean K- Kimba with Beal sounds like a great, <laughs> a, sounds fun. a perfect duo. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the idea, and I guess this was from uh, I don't know what site this was from, but it was the Celtics would receive Russell Westbrook, the Wizards would receive Kemba, uh, Romeo Langford, who I think is only in like a second year, mm-hmm. and then Daniel Tice. That's a big package for Russell Westbrook. And the first thing I think is, if I'm Boston, I'm not doing that because. Does Russell Westbrook, do you bring him in and does he make you better? Right. When's the last time you saw Russell Westbrook added to a team and it made them better? It's been a while. (laughs) There was a weird little stretch with Houston last year where he looked okay, but was Harden out during that time? Or there was some sort of deferring that was going on that Westbrook kind of got his chance. And I think he had like maybe a 15 to 20 game stretch where it was like, this is the best he's ever played. Uh, I don't know why that hasn't come back around. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe that's why he played so well. He like considered himself an A plus superstar again and. Ruins the dynamic of a team. Yeah. You're kind of finicky and uh, a little strange when it comes to just settling up with your exes, if you will, when it comes to the NBA. Mm -hmm. And you have not turned a blind eye on John Wall, but you tried to put him out of sight and out of mind. But when I tell you that the Houston Rockets are 3-5 and or whatever they are, John Wall's playing okay. I'm looking at his stats here. He's averaging about 25-5 and so far this year. Par for the course, standard, excellent John Wall numbers. Are you happy to see that even though he's doing well, the team's not having success? And also, why aren't they any better? I mean, it seems like Harden and Wall should work better than 13th in the West. The Rockets are a unique (laughs) case right now because who knows what Harden's actually bringing to the table every night. I mean, mentally, what he's bringing to the table. Um, (laughs) Physically, I guess he can go out there and score even if he's weighing 270. (laughs) But... um, 
No, I think Wall is is playing great, showing that he still has the speed, and that's the main thing that we were worried about. And then mm-hmm. when it comes to his decision-making, I'll tell you, just him bringing the ball up the court at the end of a game always felt pretty good, and I don't feel that anymore. So whether that void is tangible or not, whether you can kind of put a number on that, um, even down to wins and losses after 10 games, he looks back and as good as he was in 16-17 to me. He needs to get a, a team around him uh, that's stable. Yeah. They, they need to try to move Harden <laughs> and get their pieces back for him and build a little something around Wall. And I like the Christian Wood kid. I, yeah, but he's look, good. But like you said, I haven't watched a whole lot of Rockets uh, right. just because I'm seeing seeing the numbers, I see the speed and the highlights, and I go, I don't need to see that. That was supposed to be in uh, in D.C. Do you still feel like this D.C. team would be any better, though? Yeah. With, like, yeah, do you I, think I, Russell Westbrook's bringing them down that much, or you think he's just not elevating them to the right level? Because they're such different players, John Wall yeah. and Westbrook. You, you really feel like John Wall and this team would I be feel the like difference. They, I feel like they'd be 500. Really? I feel like they'd, yeah. they'd be in the mix right now. There's a whole lot of teams that are 4-4, four and four, you know, 5-4, and four, something like that. There's been multiple games down the stretch where it's just turnovers and missed shots. And, and that is Westbrook. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like this team would be in the hunt and we'd be saying, you know, a little bit better start would be ideal, but at least you're in the mix. Right. You just want to play 500 ball for a little bit and see where the chips fall. So how are you going to handle the rest of this season with the Washington Wizards? Because as long as I have known you, the Wizards have either, A, been competitive and been a playoff team, middle-of-the-pack kind of playoff team, or, B, waiting on John Wall to come back. Hey, the team's not great right now, but John Wall's going to be back. This team's going to get back to the status that they were. Now the future's completely cloudy. You have no idea what it's going to look like. So I know you're not going to like abandon this team, but are you going to – I mean, Steve is the kind of guy who sits down and will watch every single Wizards game. A lot of. Are you going to be it, able it, to it, do it, that the rest gonna, of the year? It's going to be less. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be less. Particularly if Beal's out, and yeah. you know, if they end up trading him, it's like I can get excited about pieces. I can get excited about watching Denny and, and Rui figuring things out. But um, I wish I had gotten a month to month league pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That NBA league pass year subscription. Yeah. Uh, right up front hits a little harder. Do you feel good about Denny? And uh, so Denny Advijis or whatever the hell his name is. I, yeah. Uh, he was the draft pick this year. Rui last year. Yeah, the ball's they're getting. Su- they're supposed to be the the ball's getting stuck in Westbrook and Beal's hands a little too much here. So there is a silver lining there that these guys again sort of get to be on the forefront. And Denny looked really solid in that last game that Beal uh, was out. So yeah. we'll see. Maybe they can make a little something happen. You feel like they're they're building blocks that you can be confident in if if you're starting this thing over, if you're blowing it up, and you're. Long gone are the days of John Wall, Bradley Beal, yep. Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre Jr., Scott Brooks at this point. Yep. Everything's going to be starting over. Rui and Denny. That is – I feel like most NBA fans throw up a little bit. Like most NBA fans have never heard of Rui Hachimura or All Denny right. whatever his But name what is. are you getting from Beal? I mean, I'll, I'll let you trash a little bit on this team, but like <laughs> – What do you, you want from Beal? What do you want from Beal? Do you want assets? Is there like a yeah. young player out there that you feel like you could maybe get brought in? The team that I would like to see him go to the least, but what I would get excited about is a package from the Celtics mm. where you you got to get um, – ta- or. Uh, Brown. Brown, yeah. You're not going to get Tatum, but you can get Jalen Brown and something else. That's not a bad little fetch. There's some Golden State stuff out there. I mean, we'll, we can get into this in another segment if you want to, but there's three or four different teams that I'm like, like Denver, 
Michael Porter has to be on on that list mm-hmm. if um, if a Beal trade goes down. And they've been for a while now one of those suitors that's you know seems like Beal's a natural fit there. The Mavericks are starting to pop up looking for Beal. That's kind of interesting. I don't I don't know who you can fetch or how many picks down the road they have that they can give up. But like, there's a lot of good young talent in the NBA, and you should get two or three yeah. for Beal, one way or another, whether it's picks or players. How long do you think that timeline takes for Beal to be on the move at this point? Because I don't even think... I have no clue what he's saying and, and what he wants. I mean, he has said for the longest time... The reason I've always been confident that he wouldn't be moved is because I figured it'd be a competitive enough team. Mm-hmm. And he has said, point blank, I don't want to go anywhere. He uh, values loyalty. He wants the jersey up in the rafters, and he wants the Kobe Bryant ceremonial, you know... Right. farewell right like he, he wants <laughs> the longevity all, just not the winning <laughs> yeah he he wants all those things with one franchise and has said as much but at a certain point it, he ain't going through many more losing seasons like this i feel no. bad for him i i don't blame him one bit if behind the scenes he's saying here's my five or six um what i like about him is i don't think that he will um devalue himself by demanding a trade publicly right i think that all this is working on the back end he's going to do right by the organization and they're going to be able to get a good batch of players for him so um we'll see we'll see we'll see washington wizards in action tonight they're gonna be taking on the phoenix suns join dave johnson and the radio party beginning at 6 30 right here on 252 espn radio suns are good suns are good last time the wizards were two and eight though they ended up going to town in that 2016-2017 season, saving Scott Brooks' job, running through the East a little bit, four seed. It could happen again. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Steve Gilgo, Eastern North Carolina's NBA tastemaker. We'll talk a little bit more NBA a little bit later in the show when we come back. A look back on NFL Wild Card Weekend. This is the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. It's the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. This hour being brought to you by Toyota of New Bern. Head on out to Toyota of New Bern today. 0% APR financing here to kick off the new year. No payments until spring of 2021. All brand new Toyota vehicles come with the Toyota of New Bern family pledge means unlimited lifetime maintenance, loaner vehicles, so much more you can't beat it. Head out to Toyota of Newburn. Highway 70 just outside of James City. That's Toyota of Newburn, proud sponsors of the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Steve Gilgo hanging out in studio with me this afternoon, the NBA tastemaker of Eastern North Carolina as he has been so properly dubbed here on today's show. But, Steve, we're going to talk some NBA – or, excuse me – transition here away from the NBA for a moment and talk a little bit of NFL. I felt like I was in a time capsule this weekend watching NFL football because it's like a flashback to the 90s. I was watching on Nickelodeon yesterday. Mm -hmm. The Cleveland Browns won a playoff game this weekend. The Buffalo Bills won a playoff game this weekend. It was uh, we truly rewound, excuse me, back to uh, the 1990s over the weekend. Before we get to the wild card action, though, I, I want to get your final end of season thoughts on the Carolina Panthers. You are a Carolina Panthers fan. Um, you made some disparaging comments regarding, I believe, the phrase you use 
that college bull bleep that we're running at Carolina, referencing Matt Rule, Joe Brady, and them boys up in Charlotte. You were not satisfied with Carolina. You were not satisfied with the current direction of this team. I I just feel like we got a <laughs> a tiny sized kids value Cam Newton <laughs> running an offense that otherwise looks pretty good into the ground. What's just what's infuriating about that one is I feel like Cam never had the pieces around him as far as wide receiver goes. He always had his little Olsen yeah. sa- safety blanket, which was fine. But as far as guys getting out on the outside, he just never had it. Whether it was bad luck with Kelvin getting injured and then just. Not, a lot of not trying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to be a professional athlete, right. and then just never being able to pony up for anybody else. Right. This finally feels like a pretty good wide receiving core. I mean, I saw them lining up in trips and was like, "Oh, I like all three of those." Yeah, that's great. But you, nothing's happening. No. It, it was really, really stagnant down the stretch. And it's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine over at uh, Brewery Ninety Nine the other day. We were slinging back a few, and he was still in on Bridgewater. Like, what are you seeing? That I'm not help me to see uh, what you're seeing, and not really a good response from him. Just uh, that he liked the game manager approach and felt like Bridgewater is as good of a signing as anything, and that it's going to be a McCaffrey and defensive team from here on out. I'm like, that's that's not how you win in the NFL anymore. No. Uh, and when we get to all these other playoff games, everybody has a quarterback. It used to be that you could kind of sneak through um, a couple rounds without one. Those days are over. Right. And you know, there's been a long time that people have said that, and it still turns out that a quarterback or two will trickle through to a Super Bowl. I don't think that's happening anymore. So no, got to make a move. Got to figure something out. I think I'm over Teddy, too. Um I will say this joke because I'm not going to put the pressure on you to say this joke over terrestrial radio airwaves. Teddy Asswater, as the internet circles have begun to call him instead of Teddy Bridgewater. Approved, but thanks for saying it because I got a real job. I think uh, if the Panthers go into next season with Teddy Bridgewater, I won't be disappointed. I'll just be a little bummed out. It's not going to break me. I think Teddy Bridgewater – his biggest strength has always been playing within like seven yards of the line of scrimmage. There is nobody better in the NFL to have as a receiving option than Christian McCaffrey if you're a safe quarterback. So I think we owe it to him a little bit. You don't, Well, you don't owe him anything, but Christian McCaffrey is a guy who caught over 100 passes a year ago. If you take Christian McCaffrey and you add him to Teddy Bridgewater's numbers this year and you say, okay, here's what Teddy did. He was able to support two top 10 wide receivers in receiving yardage in Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Add Christian McCaffrey to that mix. Give him that check down option that's not just, you know, stumbling, plumbling. Mike Davis coming out of the backfield. Maybe they're a little bit more exciting. That being said, if any move can be made, I am willing to see what's behind door number two on any other quarterback if the Panthers were to make a move, if they were to move up and get a guy like Justin Fields who we're going to see at Ohio State tonight, if they're willing to sell the farm, and I am on the record saying you can give the Houston Texans, Teddy Bridgewater, and every single draft pick in the 2021 draft class. Please. If that gets to Sean Watson, fine with it. Teddy's just a, he's a Band-Aid. He, he's a Band-Aid. I think when they brought him in, they knew he's going to be a Band-Aid. They're not paying him a whole lot. $21 million is cheap. Uh and all, to all, be a that, fan, all that is okay, though. There is a, a greater light on this one, though. All that's okay if they can move Bridgewater or just bring in something better because 
that division that's always been so underrated and tough is going to open up. Maybe not next year. You know, I, I imagine right. Brady will continue to come back. But the Breeze thing has to end soon. And the Falcons are about to be adrift, I feel like. I mean, Ryan can't have but so much longer. And even if he wants to mm-hmm. stay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Please, stay, stay longer. Um, I think that the division will actually open up for them yeah. in the middle part of this decade. Where if they can keep that defense in place that's young, getting better, will hopefully continue to get better and have somebody else with McCaffrey because, you know, those running back windows close quick. If a real quarterback comes in, that becomes a real team very fast. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they really do. The news that is circulating and we have to keep an eye on as the week goes on is Joe Brady, offensive coordinator for the Panthers. I think he's gone. He's interviewed for, I believe, three different jobs already. I know the Texans have talked to him. I know the Jets have talked to him. I'm hearing Falcons. Uh, Falcons have also talked to him. And yeah. uh, it's kind of like the Matt Ryan thing on the other end of the spectrum. I mean, I like Joe Brady a lot, but he has very little experience, yeah. particularly in the NFL. So if the Falcons want to pony up and give an inexperienced dude an NFL job, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoy Matt Ryan. He's still being, um, I guess, looked at on potential. You know, ever since everybody saw what he did with Joe Burrow at LSU two years ago, uh, they're they're hoping some of that's still there. I would say, to your point, I'm not going to go and hire an offensive coordinator of a team that was just the OC for the 27th best offense <laughs> in football. Yeah, I think I, I might take my my uh, my look somewhere else. <laughs> I think when you look at college coaches that impress, um, you better make doubly sure that they didn't just have a really talented team, and right. That's LSU that year. That may be one of the greatest collections of talent that a college football team's ever had. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> we'll see. All right, so we're not here to talk Carolina Panthers. Uh, wild card weekend came and went this weekend. Maybe not a ton of big surprises. Early on, what was the first game that you thought you were most blown away by? I think for a lot of people, it had to have been the nightcap last night between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was talked about as – a really overrated team this year, especially when they were 9-0 and and they lost their first game. It was very easy to say this is the worst 9-0 and team that we have ever seen in NFL history. But they fall down 28 to nothing in the first quarter last night. That was probably the game that surprised me the most. That or either the Rams manhandling the Seattle Seahawks. When you watched this weekend, what was the game that jumped out at you? Well, I'm happy for Cleveland. Like, really happy that they were able to do that. The Browns uh, is the Browns, right. as Juju said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that one shocked me. I mean, those first 15 minutes were like watching a fever dream or something. I, I don't know. It was insane. Yeah. Just the snap over the head to start things off. <laughs> and um, that one definitely shocked me the most. What I was blown away by or, or what I enjoyed the most really was the Bills. Because I think they had the most pressure on them coming into the weekend. And, you know, they got a hold serve at home. And then they've they've come out of this, I don't know, better for it, but it's good to get tested, I think is what I mean. Like, they didn't, yeah. they didn't look their best. They still made it happen. It's probably a pretty good wake-up call because now it's no joke for them. The, the cards did not get shuffled the way that they would have liked them to, I don't think. They would have loved to have seen that overrated Steelers team come mm-hmm. in. And now they have Baltimore instead, right? So yep, they'll be taking on Baltimore. That's, that's no joke. Um, you know, a couple of the games were, although the numbers were close, were kind of letdowns. Um, I want to I want to talk about the extra game and specifically opening round games involving division opponents. Okay, I think that's on the surface. The weekend was incredible because there's just always content to consume. Right, but are we? Is it really a good idea 
when teams have already played twice a year and they're getting scheduled in first-round matchups together. I, it, it's like if State got into March Madness and was playing Boston College round one. That, right. that sucks. Like, that's just <laughs> not – you're not even excited about it. So how does the casual fan get to it? It's like it's fine if in the Elite Eight you end up on the same side of the bracket as Carolina, and then that's huge. It's fine if we're going to see – I don't know what it would be this year because we've already knocked out the divisional opponents. But you know what I mean. Like when Carolina is playing New Orleans for a a deep in the playoffs type of game, that matters. Right. But it sucks when it's opening round. We've already (laughs) seen it. And with Cleveland-Pittsburgh, we had seen it the week before even, albeit different quarterback in there for Pittsburgh. But the Rams-Seattle thing, while kind of shocking, Seattle has had this – the shimmer that they used to always have is not there. No, and their I, defense is dreadful this year. This is the worst defense that Seattle has had since the Legion of Boom was born ten years ago. And I think that there's some misuse of Russell Wilson, or like maybe he's washed, but they're not putting enough faith in that guy. I don't think there's there's some problems behind the scenes. I would guess up there because you can't just go from how dynamic he was back then to like. They're not putting up anything on the Rams without Donald out there. It's, it's a little surprising. <laughs> even even this year, I mean, gosh, through for, the first four or five weeks of the NFL season, Russell Wilson was like the unanimous MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole hashtag that was circulating was let Russ cook, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. DK Metcalf, who had an incredible game yesterday, uh, 96 yards, two touchdowns against Jalen Ramsey. And the two other meetings this season, and this is where – I understand, like, if you're a fan of that team, especially if you're a fan of the quote-unquote better team, Seattle on paper, we probably would have said it's a better team, Pittsburgh on paper, especially with Cleveland's coach uh, being locked in a basement last night the way he was. That's hilarious. And shout-out to Al Michaels, who at one point during the broadcast said, Kevin Stefanski's wife and his children are banging on the the basement floor. Just might want to pause and you know think about what the words we, that are going to come out of your five mouth. Five second delay. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe just uh, take a quick pause on that. I understand if you are a fan, like like it happened to Carolina that you mentioned. I understand that you're a fan. Like if you're the Steelers, and I guess they split this year technically, but you know the the old adage is it's hard to beat a team three times, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat a, three, a team three times. I know that's a situation that comes up a lot in the ACC tournament where it's like, oh, look, State and Carolina are playing in round two. Carolina swept NC State this year. Hard to beat a team three times. Yep. In that example, NC State rarely beats Carolina. So, But at least the, the Tar Heels uh, the, are fine. At least the just said. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still tossed out there. I like it. Um, I think I really like it because familiarity, I think, breeds better competition. The example I was bringing up here is that Seattle and L.A., D.K. Metcalf, almost 100 yards, two touchdowns yesterday. In a loss, albeit, all season long in the two previous matchups against Jalen Ramsey, who's like the best corner in football, had one reception for 11 yards. So I think there is something to, like, you know, tit for tat, point, counterpoint, teams being able to respond and maybe, you know, work something out, work some magic out in the final time. I'm all for it. I I am all for more football. I am all for adding any extra games, giving anybody a shot. I love the story. I don't know if we're going to get it this year, but the stories of the wild card teams that go on and ultimately Mm -hmm. win the Super Bowl like the Giants did some odd years ago, that's a fun story. So I get from, like, if you're an NFL traditionalist, it's like, 
why are you bastardizing my playoffs and now there's six games over the weekend? I don't necessarily feel that way. I just think if you win your division, you shouldn't have to see a division opponent, right? You win your division yeah. and then got to see the the team that you've already passed in the first round. Seems kind of screwed up. That's so crazy. you would, you, I didn't even realize that this was being tossed around out there, but we were talking on Saturday about how are they going to, are they going to reseed this thing? Um, in the way of second round, okay, do you get your your pick of your next opponent or are we just going to go based off the seeding numbers? Would you be in favor of playoffs begin, number one seed, you get your bye. Number two seed, you get to choose your first round opponent. Number three seed, you get to choose your first round opponent. Instead of going straight off the numbers, so uh, for example, who's the high seed that lost? So Seattle was the three seed. They lost to LA. If Seattle had their pick, if you're Seattle, what, what, you'd probably want to take on the L.A. Rams again, right? You'd probably beat them twice in the regular season. You're looking around. I think if I, I think was they'd the, take I'll, Chicago, but oh yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, everybody would take Chicago. They might not get the shot at Chicago with that three seed there. I'm just saying, like I understand what you're saying. Um, I'm all for it, man. I love the divisional rivalry. It, yeah. it worked this weekend. Like yeah. the games were good enough. I just see it as like uh, it's going to become a slog. I, I fear. Like I don't always think that I I believe in less is more. Okay. And I like when division champions matter. Right. Uh, maybe that's because my teams in my entire life have never won a big thing. So it's just <laughs> I I think that division championships are for real. Yeah. I just hate to win a division and then not you turn you, you feel like you not you win get past division. wild card weekend. Yeah. That that gives you something. Right. Yeah. Wild card re- weekend is kind of disappeared it's like it's no longer wild card weekend it's just round one it's super wild card weekend yeah, which, yeah super wild card which they weekend. really should not use the word super there i mean now you're just devaluate devaluing the thing coming at the end <laughs> i'm curious if uh i'm curious if we end up keeping with this i don't know if they're this is a permanent fixture that they're doing with the super wild card weekend and having that extra spot or if it's just a i hope it's just a covid thing but yeah. i suspect that they'll see that viewership was out of control right yeah, it uh man, I I was all in on the football this weekend. I told you I am Bills Mafia through and through uh for the rest of the way. At least as of right now it's for the next 4 weeks. If the Bills end up losing to the Ravens next weekend, uh I'm just going to go right on my Twitter thread and I'm going to pick my next team. <laughs> so who who have you hitched your wagon to so far? Well, I'll let, let me end all this by saying I'm all about the content though. Like yeah. to have it all when we first got back from the pandemic and it was everything happening at once basketball baseball hockey football that's like an all-you-can-eat buffet and it looks good right and uh it turned out bad like you just can't possibly keep <laughs> up with it right now i feel like we're at like the nicest tapas restaurant in town like there's just a few of us we order six or seven small plates and it's all like quality shareable stuff you don't have to watch it all but it's all gonna be good it's like give give me a little bit of that orange bowl i have an nba medley yep you've got some nfl we got a little national championship to try tonight. Like it's all, give me the content. We're in this prime. Is great. We're in prime sports territory right, right now. As as much of a pain in the you know what that COVID was for the sports world. It's ever since right we've gotten back right to now. it, yeah, like we've gotten a little bit of everything. <laughs> so. I think that's good. Did you so you did not watch any of the Nickelodeon broadcast yesterday? Because what I loved is the reason they went to that, and the re, it was over the last two years, uh, the numbers. And the 18 to 25 demographic in the NFL 
have dropped 15%. Their average down is 15% viewership from that 18 to 25 graphic or demographic. What is their response to that? Well, it is to have a wild card game broadcast on Nickelodeon television in which the Chicago Bears offense went out there and looked like the Chicago Bears offense. <laughs> it's a rough game to get people excited about the game of football. 21 to okay. 9. You didn't watch any Nickelodeon because I was watching it and the way I was experiencing it was I don't know if this is targeted at children or if this is targeted at like nostalgia level people like uh, myself who grew up in the 90s watching Nickelodeon day after day. Um, who commentated? I I really didn't. I it was Noah Eagle, who okay. the son of Ian Eagle, and then Nate Burleson, who works for the NFL Network, used to be a wide receiver in the league. Gotcha. Okay. It wasn't anything special. It was uh It's a cool idea, though. <laughs> I mean, I like people being creative and and growing the game. Uh, because you're right. It seems while the NFL is standing tall and mighty at the top of American sports, right. um, you 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 could see it crumbling in the next. 15, 20 years if yeah. people want to get soft. I'm just all for being creative. Like, I've always I thought uh, if I could watch a – Will Ferrell does a great Harry Carey impersonation. I've always thought, like, if I want to watch a Cubs game, I wish there was, like, a, a separate feed where it's like, hey, if you want to watch this game being called by Will Ferrell as Harry Carey, then That'd go over here. I think I always like seeing this stuff. I like seeing networks take hacks where they can and uh, try to – make something look a little bit different next weekend let me get your picks here going into next weekend we'll get to some more nba stuff coming in the next segment we got rams packers we've got ravens bills on saturday and we've got browns chiefs and the bucks and the saints another divisional game for you but i'm um, okay with it second you're okay round. with it second round yeah. okay that's where you draw the line yeah uh what games are you looking at who do you think is going to be advancing who is the team that because i'm just going to make you pick Who's the team that you're saying, I'm invested, this is going to be my squad at least for one more week until so, you do the so bandwagon it's like who, thing? Who am I pulling for? Or who are you who, pulling who for? Who do I see? Okay. Both. Um, there you go. <laughs> okay. Well, for, I, I want to say this, first of all. This weekend's going to be good. Yeah. But it's all shaping up right for the first time in a long time. We've had so many ships pass in the night as far as quarterback matchups go, and like finally casual fans can't lose. You enjoy this weekend and what it's setting up to – Something crazy like Saints Bucks is great. I think it's only going to be like the fourth time that those two quarterbacks have ever even played each other to get Breeze and Brady. Mm-hmm. Even better than that, though, is that there's like a 95% chance we're going to get a Rodgers versus Breeze or Brady, which is you cannot write a better NFC championship storyline than Brady goes to Lambeau in his first season on that side of the league, right? And if it's Breeze, that's cool too. Yeah. Like, that, that's a great, great setup. The other side. As, as that is like the old golden era's last stand, the other side is perfect, like youth movement. All these guys are young. Even if Baker somehow gets through, which he's not, I'm glad. I'm glad Cleveland had. Are last you an anti Baker guy? I'm not an anti Baker guy, but they're not going to touch Kansas City. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel bad that they're walking into right. that buzzsaw. It's I don't care if the coach is back or right. yeah. who's banging on the basement floor. Like they're not. They're not uh, getting past Mrs. Next Stefanski and her children. They were banging on the basement floor last night, according to Al Michaels. Um, so that that said, the Packers and Chiefs games are easy to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're going to win. Um, I don't like either of those teams. I have a just disdain for hierarchy. Basically, I have a right. disdain for excellence. I usually choose the underdog. You know, I, I want to see the team kind of come up. Well, the Packers and, are kind of gross because that whole organization yes. has always had that holier-than-thou. We're the Green Bay Packers. Right. You and I have a mutual friend who is a hardcore Packers fan. 
for my whole entire life because of Taylor Hyman, I have been a Packers hater. Just simply to see him suffer. Yeah. That's a really good football team this year, though. Um, they have a running game for the first time ever around Aaron Rodgers. They have the guy with the stickiest hands in the league in Devontae Adams. I wish the Rams could put up a fight. I was shocked at how good the Rams looked this weekend. Aaron Donald can blow up any run game. Jalen Ramsey can eliminate any wide receiver. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to go out there and have one of those vintage Aaron Rodgers memorable kind of games. But is Donald hurt a little? It, it, it looks like he's got some up. busted ribs, some bruised okay. ribs or something like that. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to end up playing. I'm not worried about the Packers winning. I, this is just like the uh, the NCAA playoff where none of the choices on the NFC make me happy. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't like the Packers. They're going to win. And you know I'm not pulling for the Bucks or the Saints. I'm just not – I'm not a, a Brady guy. And I'm definitely not a Tampa Bay or New Orleans guy. Right. That I can never do the mental gymnastics to root for any of those teams in any scenario. So we'll just say Packers on that side all the way through. I think uh, I'm not going to bet against Brady in the playoffs until he shows me a reason not to. Right. Um, so Tampa Bay, Green Bay on one side, Kansas City, and then the team that I'm rooting for here on out is, is Baltimore. Baltimore, um, okay. And I hate that for you because I know the, the Buffalo Bills ties Mafia. on your side. Bills Mafia. And I, right. I would be glad to see Buffalo get through and beat Kansas City. They, they are my two. They're yeah. my second one. But uh, I think that Baltimore has a little something to prove. And in the same way that I said it was uh, kind of good that the Bills didn't play their perfect game, the Ravens also didn't play perfect, Mm-mm. but they got the monkey off their back. I like what what Baltimore's bringing to the table next weekend. Yeah, that's what I was telling. My, I'm I'm all in on this Lamar Jackson chip on the shoulder thing. I was, you you brought up the point earlier. I was upset the Browns won last night because I wanted the Bills to get Pittsburgh next round because I thought they would have steamrolled them. Baltimore's a wild card. Baltimore is like is, Lamar Jackson easily go out there and lay an egg. Lamar Jackson can easily go out there and I think. Uh, we were watching the game yesterday, and we play like the DraftKings stuff. And I had Lamar Jackson as my quarterback on my DraftKings team. And for like the first quarter and a half, I was just mad. He wasn't doing anything. Nothing was happening. But I kept telling myself, all he needs is one second, and he can turn it a play into a sixty-five yard touchdown. Five minutes later, sixty-five yard touchdown. Like the dude can do that at a moment's notice. You bring up a great point. The storylines here: old guard versus new guard. So you're in on Lamar Jackson. You're Brady hater, you're Saints hater, you're Packers hater. And, and, let, and let, let me say, we could change hater to I uh, respect right. the hell out okay, of all yes. three of those guys. And I, I'm looking forward to watching them all. I just don't have a rooting interest right. in you, any of those You're three. sick of watching them win everything, probably, at this yeah, point. Yeah, but you know, it's like the Yankees or uh, anything else. It's When you get to the end of the road, you want one of those guys in that Super Bowl. Yeah. You don't want these missed connections like how we never got a Kobe-LeBron finals. Right. You want a Rodgers versus Mahomes thing, probably the most ideal, right? Yeah. You you want this Brady-Rodgers championship game. So, I respect them all. I just – I'm looking more forward to this youth movement, though, and hopefully getting that Lamar Jackson-Mahomes AFC championship Mm -hmm. matchup. But we can't lose because uh, the Josh Allen thing's awesome. Yeah. I think if I had to choose, I think I would have Bills Chiefs as that championship game. I think that would be uh, a more exciting game just because I think the Bills are probably the only team equipped to go shot for shot, touchdown for touchdown with the Chiefs. 
of the old guys, because there is a legitimate chance. I mean, Drew Brees is already lined up to take a job at CBS next year. Tom Brady has one year left on his contract. Aaron Rodgers has always fiddled with the idea of retiring. There is a real chance that one of these guys wins, especially Drew Brees, but one of these guys wins and it's right off into the sunset. Which guy would you want to see that happen with? Which would feel like the most storybook ending for you? Breeze somehow pulls at the heartstrings mm. of America in a weird way that I don't get. It doesn't do it for me. But that's <laughs> ever the since one, the Katrina that, stuff. That's the yeah. one that I can see being the most storybook. Like if they somehow get through all that, he's walking out and everyone's gonna everybody's gonna love him. Drew Brees is the kind of guy like your mom cheers for Drew Brees. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I love He's Drew Brees. Nice He's guy. such a nice guy. He's a family man. Yeah. They were showing his kids hanging out at the game yesterday. I'm trying to think. I think. Uh, I want Packers Chiefs. Uh, I want, I, I want yeah. a State Farm Super Bowl. <laughs> I heard an interview uh, with Aaron Rodgers late last week. He was on the Dan Levitard show, and he goes on that show. He has a relationship with those guys. He goes on the show now that they're not with ESPN anymore. And the question they asked him, trying to get something out of him as he was going off the air, was, who's better, you or Patrick Mahomes? And he immediately pivoted to the State Farm stuff. <laughs> Just turned it into an ad. He's a businessman. Eddie play. <laughs> we'll talk plenty of NFL uh, as the week goes on. Von Casey set to join me in the back half of the week. We know he'll have some thoughts on all of this when we come back. The tastemaker of NBA basketball here in Eastern North Carolina. Return Steve Gilgo. We'll do a quick NBA whip around coverage. Next, you're listening to the Sam Avalos Show. The Sam Avalos Show, right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Eastern North Carolina's NBA tastemaker, Steve Gilgo. Still hanging out here in studio with me this afternoon. Steve, I have not watched much NBA basketball yet this year. As NFL winds down, college football ends tonight. I will be getting back on it. So. We're going to lean to you here to uh, help catch us up on a little bit of what's been going on in the NBA so far this year. Philadelphia 76ers lead the way in the Eastern Conference, 7-3 and three with a tiebreaker right now over the Boston Celtics. And then the West, to no surprise, the LA Lakers in first place, 8-3 and three to start the year. Maybe a bit more of a surprise as the Suns picked up right where they left off. Um... Your biggest storyline and overarching thing that you've seen in the NBA so far this year. What what have you been watching and you're blown away by, you're surprised by, you're confused by? Well, I wanted to start with uh, the hometown Hornets because they've just been such a nice surprise. But since you mentioned the Suns, we'll we'll actually start there and it'll be a nice little segue uh, once we get over to Charlotte. So, look, I didn't expect Phoenix to mesh like this this quickly. Like the bubble Suns were one thing. This felt like it was going to be a different team. It's real impressive. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that Chris Paul is getting like all sorts of praise and showing out. But I'm going to put them on alert. They've had a wildly soft schedule so far. It continues in Washington tonight. And it stays that way through the rest of January. They don't see the Lakers until March. Oh, wow. Like for the first time? Not until March? Holy it's, cow. It's the last game of this first little chunk uh-huh. where they end up seeing the Lakers. Uh, they played the Clippers when Kawhi was out, I believe, and they have had nothing from the top of the East until the first week of February when they see Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia all in a row. Okay. So let, let's 
way the jury's still out on, on the Suns a little bit. Completely giving the Phoenix Suns uh, credit, but it's it's pretty awesome that looks like what they built in the bubble is rolling. It's cool to see a team kind of build with young stars and then able to pull the trigger on a guy that pushes them over the top. Yeah. So Arizona, that's some good stuff for that entire state. We've talked in the past about how League Pass does not allow you to watch your local team. Yeah. They want you to buy the cable package. Fortunately for the Sam Avalis show, I have a double agent in Arizona. Hey. That is a massive Hornets fan. Okay, yes. Shout out, Eric. Shout out. Yes, has shout been out. watching <laughs> quite a bit of the Hornets. And uh, good for them, man. Uh, another steady veteran trigger pull that yeah. a lot of people questioned and said, is is this too much to spend on a guy like this? Hayward's been playing well. But here, here's my point on, on this one from what he has said to me. There's something to like on this team for any kind of fan. So you've got Bridges and Washington that are high-flying. Yep. One of those is going to be a great six-man. It's probably Bridges. Graham is like that home state guy with the tremendous upside. Hasn't been able to shoot at all this year, but he's going to piece but it together. He, I, I've seen enough from him last year to yeah. know that dude's for real. And then Mello, it's such an interesting mix in that he is like he's old-school point guard. Had with, his first triple-double of his career over the weekend. Yep. But plays in that way that like your dad's actually going to enjoy that, you know, and say like, oh, that harkens back to that's a real point guard there. Your dad but, specifically, because your dad, your he, dad will call out the players right, he does not like. Yeah. Right. I don't know that he's seen Melo yet, but he, but he should. But he's got new school mass appeal, right? So I, that's a nice little working there. Good for them. Um, that's been my favorite thing about Lamelo so far, and and it's why uh, we had this conversation. I said it with a couple people. When it was the decision of like, okay, who are they going to get? Are they going to get this Anthony Edwards kid out of Minnesota? Are they going to get the Wiseman kid coming out of Memphis? Or are they going to get LaMelo Ball? Even if the Hornets had the number one pick, I would have been okay with LaMelo Ball because of the notoriety and the attention that he's immediately going to bring to this team. I saw the Charlotte Hornets on SportsCenter over the weekend because of him, because he had his first triple-double. On Friday night, he During was an assist time. away. He was an assist away from a triple-double on Friday night. Yep. One assist just shy, comes back and does it uh, a couple nights later. LaMelo Ball, not even starting a game yet. Kid has not even started a single basketball game yet. Already has a double-double, already has a career triple-double. They knocked it out of the park. I mean, if we had to go back, I know it's early, not to do the crazy overreaction thing, Ten games in, if you're going to redraft the 2020 NBA draft, LaMelo Ball's number one because this dude already 19 years old, 19 years old, has a triple-double, has not been starting. He gets thrust into the starting lineup. He's going to average a triple-double, and it's not the triple-double like you're irritated with with Russell Westbrook. It's not empty calories. It's playing within the game. It's play, with playing within the offense. And involving teammates. It's Yeah, <laughs> it, it's good stuff from them. I'm happy for them because there's been a lot of long years. Yeah. So it's on. They're finally exciting. Hornets are five and five uh to start the year. I'm trying to see. Their next game is actually going to be tonight. They'll be taking on the New York Knicks. Pretty good. Um we can go into Knicks if you want. They've been another nice story. Yeah, check them uh, out. I haven't because I've seen I know some Knicks fans. Are the Knicks do you good now? Do you know that Julius Randle is just absolutely going off. I do not know that. Uh, I am not surprised. I thought that dude was such a monster when he was in New Orleans. Like 30 points a night, 15 plus rebounds every night. It's it's nuts how he's like getting into these little um 
creeks and valleys to pick up these rebounds because he's not a big, big dude. I mean, he like six ten, which in the NBA is average fourteen or fifteen a night. But, yeah, um, he's really doing something. It's such a bummer that there's nobody in the Garden right now because they'd be losing their mind for a five and three team. Right. That, so on Sunday night, um, I think when they went to five and three or whatever. I, this could have been a couple nights ago. I don't know. They all run together. But that place was on fire, and nobody was in it. It was just the team losing their mind. And, and Austin Rivers has been going off a couple different times. He had a night where he scored like 11 straight to close out a game, I think, against the Jazz. Uh-huh. So they've looked exciting, and it's another one of those. They've got the young uh, foundation. They've said for a long time that that's all it would take to get a free agent to come along. That remains to be seen. I I know that it's hard to root for a team in this way. Right. But is Julius Randle's stock ever going to be any higher? I think no. you got to pick up the phone right now while he is playing this well. And I know it's going to hurt New York people's heart because this is the first taste of success that they've had in a long time. But you got to call. And <laughs> That's ask. sad because they're only five hundred. <laughs> they, they they were like five and three though, and beating okay. and beating good teams. Yeah. As well. Uh, but you got to ask about Michael Porter Jr. You gotta ask about like a, a Donovan Mitchell. I think they should call and ask about Beal, um, James Harden, even anything like that to throw them over the top, or uh, or a John Collins. Which, no, do not touch John Collins. Stay leads, away from my Atlanta Hawks. Which leads me to <laughs> maybe what I'm most excited to look uh, look at is okay. the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. If you haven't watched, um, you can assume that they're doing okay, but there is wild unrest going on in that franchise right now. Um, Collins is like called out Trey Young. There is definitely an issue in that place. Why is that? What's the issue with Trey Young? Because is uh, it is it just a ball he, haul? He, all he, the attention. He wants to uh, have that Steph Curry uh, energy, but he's got James Harden energy instead. <laughs> Baby James Harden energy. Um, it's it's cool that they've taken a little leap, and you're spot on with it. Unfortunately, they're not going to make another leap, and I think. Collins is pissed enough that he's gonna. They're, they're gonna move this thing. I Call think, me crazy I, I, I if you gave a me fractured relationship. If you gave me my option, who who do you want on your team, Trey Young or John Collins? I'm taking John Collins Agreed. every single time. Agreed. Not that's not just because we were having the conversation the other day. I will always take the slightly less talented player who's bigger over the slightly more yep. talented player who's smaller. Length wins in the NBA. At the end of the day, I think. It, you can put skill up to skill, up to skill, up to skill. I'm going to take the bigger guy all the time. Trey Young just seems like he captured team out. James Harden's a great comparison. I feel like the ceiling for the Hawks ever with Trey Young at the lead is a three seed Rockets team. Yeah. Yeah. And that's being generous. I think that they're a five or six perpetually if he's on your team. And it, it depends how much that franchise cares about having a little bit of social media clout. Right. Now. I mean, pe- people care about Trey Young. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only reason why they won't move him. He's he's the face. Um, unfortunately, there's not going to be another leap coming for them. And it's that does suck to have something going in a positive direction and then have a fractured relationship like that between two people. I mean, it's it's real James Harden, Clint Capella slash Dwight Howard vibes right now. Just the big man right. with the point guard um, not being able. <laughs> To coexist and we'll see what happens but i think that i think that they'll end up making a move let me ask you about the denver nuggets because you have brought up michael porter's name a Next lot on my list, yeah. and i think michael porter of young scorers in the nba 
is right up there at the top of my list where if I was a team like Washington and I had a guy I wanted to move, I would be looking – Porter would be at the top of my list of young pieces that I want to get back that I think I can get without selling the farm. Yep. You can move a contract or an aging star to a contender like Denver and get back Michael Porter. But I'm looking at the standings here. Denver is the 10th seed right now in the Western Conference. What has happened in Denver? Do you think there's real possibility that they move Porter or they move other pieces? Is Denver at a point to where they are a piece away? They bring in a bill. You think they're shooting right back up to the top of the West? Yeah, I'm not worried about the Nuggets. They just had like a tough start out of the gate. It, mm-hmm. A lot of these nights are just who makes a shot down at the end. And, and I guess you know they're they're five and five, but they're only like a game back from technically like the fourth seed yeah they're not wizards bad they're not stuck in the bottom you know they're they're hovering um and i think when it all shakes out they'll be a fifth or sixth seed uh maybe even a little bit higher but yeah i i keep bringing up the nuggets because i think porter is a piece that gets moved and i think that it's one of uh, the obvious destinations for beal so they're just kind of like in that cycle of teams that i watch on league pass to see what's going on and it doesn't look a whole lot different than last year there may be a little bit of fatigue over being in the bubble for so long Mm -hmm. and then coming up short there's um, a good interview i heard from the raptors coach nick nurse and you know they weren't in it but until the second round right and he he mentioned that while the bubble while he was in it didn't uh necessarily suck that when he got out of it he realized like what a drain it was Mm -hmm. and uh what a bad time it, it actually was the nuggets spent the most time of any team in that bubble other than, I guess, the Celtics. Uh, what I'm saying is they spent the longest amount of time and were probably the most disappointed. Right. Right. They built up such a a thought in their head of contending for a championship by having those 3-1 comebacks. I mean, those are some high highs. And then to just get buzzsawed by the Lakers is a weird way to go home and then start again in seven weeks. Have you noticed that? Because looking at these standings, it seems like there's a lot of teams in both conferences that were in the bubble that have started off slow. Miami's yeah. outside the top eight. Um, Toronto, dreadful 2-7 and seven start of the year. Denver outside of the playoffs right now. Pelicans outside the playoffs. The Kings outside the playoffs. The Rockets, the Grizzlies outside of the playoffs. Bubble teams have had a bit of a hangover to start the year. I think so. Um, they didn't sign up for this. Like right. they, they really, I think, believed that the season would start maybe in January, yeah. probably in February or March, and then they got thrown the Christmas Day schedule and had to just be like, what the hell? Right. Um, so I think while the standings look a little wild right now, you can see a lot of people are right there at 500, and the shifting will start taking place in the back half of this season. Right. So. Um, I'm going to get your thoughts here on your Dallas Mavericks. I know you are a big Dallas Mavericks fan. Luka. Five and four to start the year. Luca uh, is fat now, but still playing good basketball. <laughs> he's he's been slow to start too, but he's starting to have like a LeBron type of impact. So I saw LeBron play one time mm-hmm. uh, in person, and he he was fine. It was a uh, physically imposing on the court, but I didn't really think that he did a whole lot. Uh, Cleveland's just kicking wizards behinds up and down, right? But it's not like LeBron's doing any of the flashy plays or anything, I look up at the end of the day and he's got 28 points and a triple-double. Right. Just these quiet, sustainable triple-doubles, and that's what Luka's doing right now. What do you put him inside of, like, if you had to rank him? And, you know, I know you don't like doing the ranking thing so much, but, I mean, is he, like, third, fourth best player in the NBA right now? I think he's third or fourth. A lot of people jumped to the MVP season for him this year. Right. And I 
I'm not sure that I see that. But like we just talked about with the bubble and you know coming out of the gates a little bit slow, um, Luca's best days are in front of him. I think that he had a weird situation where he went back home during some of this quarantine and didn't have access to everything that he needed. So right. that's, that's why he's another one that comes out looking a little flat physically. Um, he'll a get little in, round physically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he'll he'll get into shape yeah. and they'll be good to go. That's another that's another Beal destination that I see. That would make me the happiest for Beal to send him to Dallas if it could be Luca and, and Beal. Who would you want to get back from Dallas? I don't if even send Beal out there. Picks, picks. Just give me picks. Yeah, Porzingis. You're not getting Porzingis. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We need a big dude. Let's see. Uh, the last team I wanted to ask you about before I get you out of here, uh, Milwaukee, 6-4 and four to start the year. Have you seen much of Milwaukee? All right. Do you feel like the I, – I haven't watched a lot of the, the Bucks at all. Um, I haven't even heard about them until, at all, I feel like. Until Giannis does something in the playoffs, I'm kind of putting them on a shelf. Like, yeah, they'll, they'll be there. Um, show me something new. I know what they can do with a regular season. I'm not even sure where they are in the standings. Are they like third or fourth? They're fifth right now. Okay. Six and four. They haven't done anything um, that's gotten me to the TV. So I'll pivot on you if that's okay. Yep. And talk Warriors. They've been a lot of fun to root for. And I kind of called that one out that we were going to get uh, a 2015 Golden State feel this year. And really good to see, see Steph back. Kind of liked that he had that slow start when it was just him. And then Draymond comes back in, and he's the linchpin. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people talking a lot of trash on Curry, saying that he can't do it alone. And I say, well, everybody that complains about the NBA complains about these stars that hold teams hostage yeah. and make the <laughs> offense flow through them. And then here's Steph just putting up 60 one night, but still being like the ultimate teammate, letting these other dudes cook around him. The Wiseman pick's awesome. The only problem that they have is Ubre. Ubre has been... <laughs> I love Ubre, but yeah, not a good basketball player. Bad, bad. Uh, (laughs) There's a stat on Reddit. I wish that I could give the users credit or whatever because that's become a big deal now. Like ESPN's been, uh, you know, like posting the users' names now that have come up with good stats. Oh, nice. Golden State is like 19th right now in shooting three point percentage. If you take Kelly Oubre's stats out of that equation, they're the fourth best shooting team <laughs> in the NBA. So that, that's how bad Kelly Oubre's been. Um, there's some fun West Coast teams is, is really my point of this entire segment. Wish that there was fans in the garden right now. Mm. Um, and Warriors, Suns, Mavs, get to a TV. Get to a TV. Check it out. Uh, so NBA is going to be picking up more and more, especially here on the show. We'll be talking about it a lot more. I'm all in on the Hornets. I'm all in on LaMelo oh, Ball. Yeah. Youngest that, that player to score a triple-double in NBA history. Uh, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year. They'll get to that play-in at least. Yeah. I think they'll – I'm really you, – you brought up Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. I am standing by that I don't think those two guys can coexist on the same team. I think there's some redundancy there a little bit. Double, Charlotte desperately needs a big man. Double agent Costco says Bridges is playing like he could be the sixth man of the year and fits that role like a glove. Yeah, so it's perfect. So maybe they can coexist. Uh, yeah, but if if PJ starts, according to he one, needs to be bigger. According to one man in Yuma, Arizona, <laughs> yeah. the Hornets are doing things. Oh man, I'm gonna be looking forward to talking NBA with you throughout the season, Steve, because now I know we can do it with an absence of Washington Wizards we bias. Can. I think uh, I think this is gonna do wonders for your NBA taste making here in Eastern North yeah, Carolina. For everyone involved, things just got <laughs> <Yeah>. better. 
<laughs> we went from the Wizards being a four seed three weeks ago to now we don't have to talk about them anymore. Steve Gilgo, Eastern North Carolina's NBA tastemaker, wearing his Bradley Beal jersey perhaps for the last, time, last time ever. <laughs> yeah. Steve, thanks so much, man. We look forward to having you back. Appreciate it, Sam. See you. A big thank you to Steve Gilgo, the NBA tastemaker of Eastern North Carolina, as we have now such dubbed him. Hanging out with us here on the Sam Avos Show this afternoon, talking some NBA basketball today. I do have to correct a mistake that I have been making all day long, I believe. Normally, we would be airing the Washington Wizards-Phoenix Suns basketball game tonight, which would be getting underway at 7 o'clock for you Wizards fans out there. I said we are going to be airing it, but I was wrong because, well, tonight's a big night. College football playoffs. We'll have coverage for you coming up a little bit later. Kickoff expected to be at 8 o'clock. I have watched enough college football playoff games on ESPN to know that they're going to stretch this thing out as long as they can. And uh, kickoff might not till hap- might not happen till like after 8.30. So buckle up and be prepared for a very long night. Uh, should be a very fun game. So a couple quick thoughts on it real quick before we go out the door. Number one, the best way to watch, the best reason about watching these kind of games is to check out NFL talent. You're going to see a lot of guys tonight, and ESPN does a good job of this where they will highlight, and oftentimes they'll have like a ticker going on the bottom of the screen that says, you know, where those guys like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay have these players ranked as far as where they're going to be drafted next year. But realistically, I mean, you're watching Ohio State versus Alabama. There is a chance that you're going to see like six, seven, eight, nine of these guys drafted in the first round of next year, including both quarterbacks, Justin Fields, you will find analysts that tell you that they feel better about his NFL prospects than they do even Clemson's quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields is that kind of good. Comes into this game a little bit banged up um, after last week's win over Clemson, but he just saw him score six touchdowns, six touchdowns a week ago. Mac Jones, of course, uh, quarterback for Alabama. I was reading a mock draft over the weekend that had him going in the first round to the New England Patriots. You're going to watch this guy tonight, and you're going to say, yep, looks like a Patriots quarterback. Guy's just nothing but solid. Wasn't even expected to be this good. Mac Jones, they've got some uh, rookie there, I think named Blake Harris or something like that. Not a rookie, a freshman. And the expectation was that like by the middle of the season, this freshman would be calling the shots in Alabama. Mac Jones took the starting job and has not looked back. Going to be a fun game tonight. Uh, Nine-point spread in favor of Alabama. Over-under set at 75 now. That number has continued to climb throughout the day. 75 points. I wouldn't be shocked if the over even hit on that. Like there, I think there could be a potential for that many points being scored in this game. This Alabama team, you always think about Alabama. It's incredible defense. Still an incredible defense for Alabama, but a little bit more of the uh, bend and occasionally break style of defense for Alabama. This Alabama team this year has 14 total interceptions. 14 total interceptions. Now, for most of our schools, most of our programs, if State or Carolina or ECU were to finish the season with 14 interceptions, that would be an amazing year. But that is the lowest turnover total by an Alabama secondary since 2014 which tells me that Justin Fields is going to have some opportunities to get the ball moving downfield tonight. I think Alabama's going to win this football game. If I was Urban Meyer, or excuse me, Ryan Day, Urban Meyer's no longer there, and I was calling the shots at Ohio State, the only way you can beat this Alabama team, I think it's the same way you would 
you you would think on paper would be the strategy if you're taking on Alabama. Ohio State has to come into this game. They've got to be ultra-aggressive from the get-go. They need to be over-the-top aggressive. Those six touchdowns that Justin Fields did last week against Clemson, he needs to make it seven. He needs to make it eight. <laughs> that's the kind of performance that they're going to need tonight. So, for the viewer standpoint, I think that's going to make for an excellent football game. I think uh, no matter what, we're going to have fireworks. We're going to have a lot of points being scored. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the game. I'm good with either team winning. I don't root for Alabama or Ohio State. In fact, uh, there is a little bit of hatred in my soul for both of these programs. I don't enjoy rooting for Blue Bloods. Ohio State and Alabama are Blue Bloods in college football. So I'd be okay with both of them losing. Since that's not the case, uh, I'm just going to sit back and watch a couple of good football games. So I hope you guys enjoy that. We'll be back here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Going to talk some more basketball. We'll recap the college football. Maybe get into some more NFL stuff. Uh, got a couple of other fun things planned, which should be a good time. As always, you can check out the Sam Avalos Show wherever you get your podcast. Just head to Apple iTunes, uh, Google Play Store, wherever, wherever you get your podcast. The podcast there. Find it. Subscribe to it. You don't have to listen all the time, but you know, if you just want to poke your head in every now and again, we do appreciate uh, any of the time that you spend listening to this program. That being said, you guys enjoy the football. See you back here tomorrow, 4 o'clock on the Sam Avalos Show.